0: We're recording. All right, it's time for another bull in the basement, and we're joined by an old friend who I haven't seen in forever. And a little bird flew right by me and said that this gentleman was going to be in Western New York this weekend, in particular in East Aurora at Knox Farm State Park. Am I right, Steve Christie?
1: With you, I might add. I'll be with you.
0: That is correct. That is correct for uh, Borderland (laughs) Festival. So now, How did you get involved in this? Are 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 you friendly with the organizers? Do you have bands in it that uh, you like? Like, how did this happen? I mean, this is not even a bills weekend. Weirdly,
1: well, we're making it into a bills weekend.
0: That's right. I
1: have become become friends with uh, a few of the people there uh, over the past few weeks. um, uh, Jennifer Brazil, being the head uh, honcho, running the whole show. Uh, We've had numerous conversations, um, and obviously, most of these conversations were how do we bring about a great music crowd into a Bill's road game against Miami? And I found over the years that there's, there's mutual admiration between musicians and athletes. And, and we discussed and concluded that it has to do with uh, performing in front of people, live audiences. And whether you're kicking a football or playing an instrument, you know when you mess up, and uh in my case everybody knows when i messed up <laughs> pretty obvious uh, musicians sometimes are obviously better at hiding that sort of thing whereas i would never be able to get away with it but i think part of that is just to be able the, the ability to perform in front of you know major audiences and, and that's something that i are, i admire and, and the fact that you know these musicians at this level that we'll see at borderland you know they'll go out and do a, an hour and an hour and a half gig and flawless and be able to do it in front of so many people and to cover so much material, uh, their own music. And, you know, I, I just think it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, now, are you familiar with any of the bands that are going to be taking the stage? I
1: am, and, you know, I'm kind of a deadhead now. My wife, uh, over the years, has kind of turned that corner for me, and uh, I finally, you know, listened to her. And, and uh, what a great positive vibe it is. We've seen a number of shows together. We do a lot of music festivals down here in Florida um even despite COVID we're able to do so many things outside down here that's one of the reasons why we moved down here permanently um and with that being said we've seen a lot of bands um I listen to talk uh, T-A-U-K one of the bands that's playing there I listen to them a lot in the car uh great bass line uh it's kind of got a jam jam band vibe but it's still got kind of a groovy hook to it um you know and a buddy of mine um, in fact a cousin of mine uh, is in a band called Never Been. So uh, there's that's how I got pulled into this originally through Michael Connor, And now it's uh, kind of expanded into the pair of us hosting a tailgate or whatever you want to call it uh, to cheer on the Bills Against Miami. Yeah. Now, I have to say this. I got to say yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bridge into this. I was hoping to do this after we beat Pittsburgh. And I'm sure the rest of Western New York is saying the same thing. For sure. And I- you know, and, hey, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. Yep. You know, they're never they're they're never backing down from anybody. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter when. And they just plugged away. And Ben Roethlisberger showed that you know at his age he can still do it. He got it done.
0: It's pretty crazy. I mean, you have just mentioned like eight different things. I have a, a a legal pad in front of me with all the things I want to talk to you about. But you mentioned like eight of them just in the past two minutes. Um, one of the reasons why the Steelers are always so good happens to be their coach and the William and Mary connection in the NFL, especially with the bills. And obviously with Mike Tomlin is pretty remarkable. Can you talk to that between Tomlin and then with the bills, you Sean McDermott, obviously, and Marv Levy, and the list goes on and on. It's crazy. Kelso, yeah, Mark, right? Mark
1: Kelso too, yeah. you know, Mark, Mark and I were fraternity brothers. Um, I mean, there's not too many, football players out of William Mary that make it to the pros or certainly make it you know for a long time um, I just heard the story about Tomlin when he graduated there um, you know he was a wide receiver and he went to his receivers coach uh, at the time coach's odd name his name is Zabig Keppa. and he says coach Keppa, you know now that I'm out of school not too sure what I want to do and coach Keppa said well you know Mike you may want to be a coach you may want to take up coaching well what great advice he got from a William Mary coach and then you know then we get this scenario of course where uh, the first time they went head to head they flew I think it was in Pittsburgh they flew our old coach up because our coach was there Jimmy laycock was there 39 years I mean that's incredible for any coach in any sport in any position certainly yeah. in college the longevity there I, you know that's so rare and so coach uh, laycock was up there with Tomlin and McDermott and uh, that that's pretty special that's pretty special there are other coaches that are over time that have been, you know, around the league from Women married but not guys that were teammates. And uh, I think that that was pretty cool. And then like you said, for that reason, though, you can't count Pittsburgh out regardless of the roster. Look at their head coach. Yeah. He's already won it. He's got a great track record al- already. And I just have, I have so much respect for both coaches, but you know, it is it is very special for us when they go head to head. And that's also why you know, as a Bills fan, you know, we know we can't take the Steelers lightly ever,
0: ever, ever. Uh So it's the Dolphins this weekend. We'll get into football in a second, but Borderland is why you're here. Uh Are you going both Saturday and Sunday? Or are you just going to be with, with me on Sunday? Nobody cares to see me. They want to see you in the game, obviously, but uh, we'll be there for the whole thing.
1: We're going awesome. for the-, awesome. in the RV and uh this is what we do most of the time for entertainment anyway. And we're just, we're just so happy to be able to go up to Western New York at this time of the year. Uh, it's 95 today here. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean it's nice to get up north and uh, you know, and then catch up with a lot of family and friends. So, you know, it's it's just gonna be another great music festival.
0: Uh borderlandfestival.com, the revivalist, Jason Nisbell uh, amongst um, some of the, well, the two headliners really of the wow. entire festival. Uh, what is it? Pigeons playing ping pong. Is that the name of the band? If I'm right, I, I, I forgot, but it's some bizarre name like that. A couple of great local bands, Leroy, Leroy Towns friendly with them. They're playing Saturday. Uh, I believe folk faces are on the bill as well. Another great local band. Uh, it's a great collection of, as you mentioned, Steve, like jam band, country, alt rock, um, bluegrass, Americana, a little bit of everything. And you, the, the, the key word here is vibe because yeah. just this just this friendly everybody getting along no hang ups whatsoever just a chill weekend and oh by the way the weather looks like it's going to be absolutely perfect sunny low 80s both days. so borderlandfestival.com for tickets i for some reason thought and and correct me if i'm wrong but did you manage bands at one time i did for a little while
1: i i you know i was helping a, a few bands out and i kind of took the approach Having done some research as to how other managers, what their responsibilities were, what their approach was, how they how they did things, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna treat this as a team, more of a coach, kind of bring that atmosphere of look, you know, we're all in it together. Uh, I did my very best, but um, at the end of the day, I don't know. I'm not saying it wasn't for me, but you know, at times it felt like. Um, you know, I, I was a friend, and other times I felt like there was a little bit of babysitting going on. And those that know, know, <laughs> they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, hey, what am I doing? Right. Um, but I do love music, and I love being that close to uh, the musicians that way where I could see things develop, I can see things happen. And, you know, I had one band for a while, Big Leg Emma, and to see them perform live at the Blue Heron Festival. Uh, that was a real thrill for us just to have something to do with it just to get just to be able to get out there and enjoy that enjoy the music that way um but i'm you know kind of like kind of like the bills you know not, i'm coaching i'm a football coach at the high school but um i i like being a fan i mean i i enjoy being a spectator now you know bills mafia and all that i you know i kind of like that that angle um and then you know i kind of i can separate and be a high school football coach here down in florida and that's good enough for me that's the vantage point i like right now
0: you see with steve christie on bull in the basement you see um lots of players now and probably this has been trending i don't know maybe in the last 10 years or something you know pre-game warm-up they're all they got their headphones in whether they're wireless or not they're listening to something warming up now back when you played you would have to have those headphones with the little you know the the spongy little things over the speakers over your ears, and you're probably listening to like a cassette Walkman. But what would you have been listening as your sort of pump up music uh, pregame if that was the case back then?
1: Um, I really I didn't have a whole lot. Maybe in the car, you know. I I you know grew I grew up uh, in Oakville outside of Toronto. I loved the Cult. You know, listen to the Cult all the time. I I claim uh, that uh, at one point that I was the one that brought the cult band, like the music itself to women Mary because they are in R.E.M. and that sort of thing at the time, which was also very cool. But I'm like, here, check these guys out, <laughs> the, frat, the frat ate it up. But, um, you know, everything, uh, you know, everything like in that in that genre to even bagpipe music, I mean, whatever would get me going. Um, but once I got to the stadium, I was, you know, I, my routine wasn't it wasn't that superstitious, uh, but I'd always read the game day magazine. You know, I kind of see who we're playing. You know, who's on there. <laughs> you know.
0: you waited till, wait. You <laughs> wait. 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 You waited till Sunday at ten o'clock in the morning to find out who you were playing.
1: Yeah, like I knew who we playing, but it's not like I don't have to game plan anybody. I knew who the returners were, <laughs> you know? you know, were. If they had a decent rush on one side or the other, fine. But I don't. Hey, kick the ball through the uprights, man.
0: Keep it easy. That's <laughs> what
1: I. do, I can do anyway.
0: Hey, uh, are you are you good health wise? Everything's good with you.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Oh, uh, had a little cancer scare uh, a few years back, but um, yeah, I've uh, changed my diet and uh, changed a few habits along the way. And now that I'm almost fifty-four, I think um, you—I hate to say it—but you, uh, you, wisen up with age. No, not necessarily a hundred percent. There's still there's still a kid in here somewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, thanks for asking. But it's one of those things that uh, I wasn't going to make much of a deal of uh except i didn't want my buddies to go through it so and like i will now i just encourage everybody if you if, if you suspect there's something wrong get an endoscopy get a colonoscopy just get checked so you don't have to deal with what i did
0: that's it for sure for sure um have you you mentioned uh oakville uh sort of in toronto you, you know where you grew up have you been able to get to canada at all uh, I will
1: be able to get up there in October. I'm going to go up and see my mom, but uh, that's that's really been about it. It's wow. uh, it's been situations like this where we've had to use technology and uh, had a couple of nights there with my aunt and uncle in St. Catharines, uh, the Kleins, and uh, we've done some Zoom, a lot of Zoom meetings uh, along the way. And I think you know it's it's been kind of uh, eye opening and an eye opening experience in the sense that so many of my friends now are working from home and um you know they can do that and then conduct their business without you know a big corporate building and without all the big meetings and you know it and it's been weird it's been it's you know we're in real estate down here so obviously there's certain things we can do from here but there's other things that no you still have to go over there you still have yeah you have to be out there and do things so but um but yeah but getting to canada and the border that's been a no-go for a long time
0: yeah it's a bummer for everybody here, obviously. I mean, we go there primarily for entertainment. Canadians come here for entertainment, same thing, and shopping and all of that. And it's really uh, infringed on both sides of the border, I think, economically. But well, that's for another day. Um, t- tell folks how you went, because you were a soccer player turned football, right? Yes. So how did when, when did that opportunity first arise for you? And then you took it and obviously ran with it and had huge successes doing it.
1: Well, we were uh, basically. I started kicking uh, because I was a soccer player and uh, played for various teams in the area, and uh, then kind of was slowly going through the the provincial ranks and then Canadian junior ranks. And um, but I but I started kicking and punting in high school because l- we literally didn't have anyone. So the gym coach, you know, Tom Johnson at the time, who was a football coach, said, "Look, I really want you to come out. Um, we need a kicker." We have a punter. This is my junior year. He says, we have a punter, but we need somebody to kick. And my parents finally signed the waiver saying that you can only practice once a week. You can only kick. I don't want you to do anything else because I had soccer practice every other night or games or whatever. So long story short, uh, my senior year, I kicked a punted And I get a call from uh, an, another soccer coach just outside of Hamilton, Bill Watson, who went to William Mary. And he says, look, I need a center back. Uh, but." I might be able to help you with this football thing. And that's all I heard. I said, well, okay, we'll see what happens. And so I was out uh, visiting a school in the eastern coast of Canada, out in New Brunswick, uh, called Mount Allison University, where I was going to play soccer and football. And while I was there, my dad calls and says, You just got offered a full ride for Women Mary through this connection, Bill Watson, who called the soccer coach, Al Albert, who then called the football coach. I mean, this long string of people through soccer that finally ended up in a football scholarship. So I was very lucky. They had a guy lined up that did both. And last second, he decided to sign at Ohio State. And that was it. They didn't have anyone either, really, at the time. And that's how this literally unknown kid. And my game film was literally one game. Wow. I mean, if you didn't play hockey up there, who's looking at you from the States, really? (laughs) Right. Um, I mean, true story. So here's my one game film. I hope it's enough. And for them, it was. Um, I had to take an SAT. So that was kind of funny because I went over to the University of Toronto and sat in an arena with 20 hockey players. And we're all mumbling and grumbling going, what is this <laughs> test? And this is ridiculous And because we didn't use it up there. right? Um, but I, I hope they all got enough. I got enough to squeak in, so I hope they did too.
0: Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're still a, a big soccer fan.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm a, well, my big team, my, my favorite team is Glasgow Celtic, and I'm, I also follow, follow a handful of other teams and obviously a bunch of, of great players around around the world. I mean, that's the thing. There's so many leagues now that are just top class. It's, there's so many good teams to watch.
0: Yeah. Do you ever make it down to Orlando and see any of their games?
1: No, not yet. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty good vibe, though. Uh, yeah. with Inman, both Both teams are doing really well very successful.
0: You yeah, I was going to say you're close to Tampa. How about that town right now? I mean, between football and hockey and ba- man, holy cow.
1: Yeah, it's crazy and I, I really felt bad for uh, the Lightning the first year they won the Stanley Cup because no one was there. Um they worked so hard, the league worked so hard to get these games through COVID, this whole bubble thing obviously worked, uh and then the, the first year the Lightning won there was no one there. And then the fact that they came back and won it again, that was incredible. And then of course, the Glaziers who own the box, decide, you know what? We'll get Brady and Gronk, who at first everyone's like, okay, you know, everyone's going to go buy the jerseys and this is going to be great, whatever. But to win the whole thing, and those rings look like they look like a brooch. <laughs> the head of a, it looks like a watch. It I does. mean, massive, yeah. just massive. I mean, that's, I don't even know how you wear it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been Champa Bay here. We've kind of taken over from Boston which is nice in a way. Yeah. It's great. Actually. Our division,
0: I think. <laughs> uh, with Steve, Chris, going to be in town this weekend, borderland festival. Uh, yours truly will also be there as well. At East Aurora, at Knox farm, state park, borderlandfestival.com for tickets. It's a great, remarkable, do some homework, go on their website, look at the lineup. You're going to love it. Uh, Cause it's just a chilled uh, tons of craft beer and vendors uh wines distilleries i mean everything you can possibly imagine and like i said it's super chill you bring a camping chair you just hang out with your pals you sit out in my hay if you don't have a chair to bring whatever it's it's a blast so hopefully you can see us and of course the watch party is what steve and i are going to be doing together on sunday as the bills take on the dolphins so uh yeah if you're coming to the festival you want to watch some music you want to also keep uh, you know one eye on the, the 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 tv screen the other one on your stage well that's a really amazing talent if you can do it uh but uh, if you're uh, able to then you can or pick one or the other and enjoy your day sunday so let's talk a little bit about um your bills career pretty remarkable um 10 years with buffalo after starting with tampa do, do you still have your creamsicle jersey
1: uh you know we only wore it once and uh the rest of the time we wore uh the white jerseys and my rookie jersey i have my rookie jersey they we had to pay 50 bucks to get
0: it what
1: yeah that's how the bucks did things back then i mean that's just how it was uh you know it was just it wasn't like when i first signed with buffalo and you know randy woody rivet the, the old uh equipment manager grabbed me and says well what do you need i go what do you mean what do i need he says well look you're gonna need all this stuff for your locker i'm like what <laughs> do i have to sign it out do I, how much does it?" Cost? <laughs> i was just used to a different setup you know and Tampa was, you know, a different deal. And they're like, you know, I remember going to the, the GM at the time. and said, hey, I really like my jersey. And he said, well, it's going to be 50 bucks. I'm like, fine, whatever. So most of us paid 50 bucks for our, for our jersey that we wore all camp right and during the season. So that's how things were back then.
0: That's crazy. All but right, it was so you, nice to get up here.
1: Let's just say that. It was nice to get up here.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, close to home too, right? I mean, I'm assuming you had family at every game, I'm assuming, right? uh yeah
1: or buddies from high school i mean yeah. you know, a lot of people from oakville were able to come up to the games and um you know and, and plus the Levy connection and then getting to know you know bill polian and then obviously my teammates that was uh those years were incredible even though obviously we know we didn't win just for me to be able to go to two super bowls uh, you know last year in tampa we were three and 13 and no one's even thinking playoffs you're just thinking about your job week to week to week not that you don't anyway but when you're winning you're thinking about hey how far can we go you know we're in the playoffs and then you know my first playoff game was the comeback game with frank so okay if they're all gonna be like this maybe i'm not cut out to be a playoff guy <laughs> i don't know maybe i have to reconsider my move but you know at the end of the day it was really an honor to be there with those guys and uh, and those coaches and man what an experience
0: real experience uh, and and what what people always forget so this is crazy because i i did some research on this so everybody watches the highlights of the comeback game right and they know all the touchdowns and frank and the magic this that the other thing and you kicking the game-winning field goal everybody forgets that you didn't you recover your own onside kick in that game to set up your game-winning field goal is that that right
1: it wasn't to set up the field goal but it it helped get things turned around a little bit it changed changed momentum a little bit but i have to say I had Mark Pike on one side and Mark Maddox on the other side of me, and they sort of spearheaded into the ball, and it was just sitting there. It's my job to go get it. And without right. them, I wasn't going to get it. Right. So, I mean, they really did the work, and the ball was sitting there, and I dove in there, and and I just kind of curled it underneath me, and then Tasker grabs me and goes, "Get out of there, man! They're going to kill you!" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about that. I was just glad I got the ball. Right. And then uh, the first thing I did, you know, I went over there and I flipped it to. Uh, you know I think to Woody and he, and he, he knew what to do. I said hide this thing. You never know. You right. never
0: know. Right. Um, you kicked if I'm not mistaken in the coldest game in Bills history, right? The Raider game when it was like 32 below, right? Where you you were you part I think you were part of that team. Uh, I would have been 92 93 I thought, no?
1: Oh, maybe. I, you know what? At this point, a lot of these games uh, really roll together. I remember a really cool game against the Jets okay, where we had to get a field goal at the end. and I remember coming off the field and getting in the locker room and walking into the shower, and, and uh, Frank Reich was next to me. And I, and I looked down, and his feet were blue. Blue. I said, Frank, you better go see the trainer, man. That's not normal. He didn't even feel his feet. Like he, wow. that's how cold it was. Yeah. You know, there's things like that where, you you know, especially in his position as a backup quarterback, he's not going to be standing next to the heaters like the kicker and punter, like Chris Moore and I, and, you know, Adam Linger, we had our little section over there by the <laughs> last kicking net. You we know, all the heaters over by the kicking net. Of course it is. Um, but Frank was walking around the whole game, you know, and it's just like, man, you got, that's how, and I, I don't think it was minus 32, but it was definitely, you know, close to minus 20. Yeah.
0: That's, and, that's nuts.
1: And I would marvel at Jim Kelly, like no gloves, nothing, taking that snap down after down after down. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it.
0: Well, you know what? I, Brian Mormon did this with me a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him about kicking in cold weather. I said, man, your foot must have killed when you kicked basically a rock, in, you know, if it's zero degrees or whatever. I mean, it, it, was that he, he said he, that he didn't even feel a thing. Was that true for you? yeah that's it.
1: it's so cold you don't feel anything you're basically basically muscle memory and you don't you're not feeling the contact of the ball so that's where you're really relying on all your experience your practice and you know what you're used to doing you know it's it's a, excuse me it's as simple as that it's it's basically like i know i'm not going to get touched on the ball that i would normally like so you just swing away like you normally would and you hope that you know, the ball doesn't compress either. It's frozen pretty much. Right. Well, you just hit as hard as you can and hope it gets. <laughs> That's really all
0: you can do. Um, you sort of brought up psychology. Um, you know, there, there is that thing about the, you know, the lonely kicker or whatever. And back then, there was no such thing as sports psychologists like there are today. So you have a bad game aside from, you know, keeping your job and getting better the next week. Like what helped motivate you and get out of perhaps, you know, that the funk that you could potentially end up in because, you were kind of flying solo unless you depended, you know, on your punter buddy to help you through it, right? Like what what helped you get through those, you know, you didn't have many, but what helped you get through some of those tougher times?
1: Well, Chris, you know, our backup punter, uh, or sorry, our, our punter, Chris Moore, wasn't a kicker. He told me, he says, I you know, I really can't kick. So if anything happens to you, you know, I, I don't know who's going to step in and do it. Uh, when Dougie, when Flutie was there, he could drop kick it or kick something. Right. He was until he got there we really didn't have anybody and the same thing in tampa we didn't have anyone but but back to the sports psychology side of it my rookie year uh i hadn't missed a kick in any of the preseason games our first game we went up to detroit and i think i didn't miss any there so the first time i missed in a game was at home against the la rams and i missed a 32 yarder and because i'm a rookie and nobody knows me i got booed i got booed by everybody and i i realized then and there If I don't figure this out, then I am gone. I mean, as simple as that, like nobody, there's no loyalty in that, in that sense. I I just got there, you know, they'll bring in the next guy. So basically either I get a string of kicks and and get this thing going or I'm done. And that's basically what I told myself. I said, you know, pick yourself up. You're not going to make every kick, but what's most important is that you make the next one. And and that's how you look at it. One kick at a time. And I know it's kind of a cliche, but it's a lot like golf. Like, you don't hit every golf ball perfectly. And even Bruce DeHay would joke, like, every once in a while, I hit a line drive that went through, and he goes, You know what? Next week, no one's going to care because last week it went in. They don't care. It's a line drive in the record book. It's a line drive in the record book. Don't worry about it. So, you know, that's kind of the attitude that we had, especially in Buffalo with the weather turning, you know, uh, things aren't going to get pretty. Things aren't going to get prettier. It's going to get windy. It's going to get wet. It's going to get cold. And, like I said, sometimes you just swing away and you hope the ball makes it there. And that's all you can do. And that's the best you can do.
0: This is going to be kind of a weird question, and it just came to me. But obviously, you came to the Bills after Scott Norwood. Where did you come from to the Bills? Tampa to the Bills. You kicked in the sombrero where the Super Bowl was, right? Where, sadly, wide right happened. So I guess my question is, and, and obviously his kick happened at the very end of a game, right? So – was that kick 47 yards? obviously it's completely pressurized. It's crazy. 47 yards grass. Was that feel, I mean, did, did that come into play at all? I mean, you had, obviously you played there for two years. So he
1: was uh, Scott was actually, Scott really got a hold of the ball. I mean, he hit it really well. He had plenty of distance. He just didn't get that natural curve to the left. The ball just didn't take that normal hook to the left. And I, the same thing I, I tell my kickers now. It's like, man, you got to use that to your advantage. Um, and you know, it just it just didn't turn that way. And I got and I got to say this: when I signed with Buffalo, Scott was still there. So we were, you know, we kicked we kicked off and, and hit field goals against each other in minicamp, and that was tough because I quickly realized how much how much the other guys really respected him, really loved him. And I was the new guy. And that was kind of hard. And then, and then I had to kind of earn that respect as the games went on. But And I'll never forget Scott's um, after the parade and the whole press conference. That was, I mean, if you want your kids to see what a pro, how a pro athlete handles diversity in, in a situation like that, arguably the toughest situation you could be in, certainly as a kicker. And then to handle it the way he did, I mean, it was a class act, 110% and uh, you know i i respect him uh so much for that the way he handled it and uh he took it on himself i mean that, that was incredible
0: for sure for sure um how many tackles did you make in your career do you know
1: a lot in tampa <laughs> a lot uh not so many in buffalo um now when a kicker makes a tackle a lot of the times it's a kicker's fault because you know, you didn't get enough hang time or you didn't put it where, where you're supposed to, especially if, you know, say for example, it's a right corner kick and your coverage is designed to close everybody in in that corner and you kick it in the middle or you kick, you know, you shank it, whatever. Uh, so that, that's your fault, that's your problem. You better take care of it. And other times it's just, you know, not in Buffalo, but with other teams I've been on, you get guys that are on special teams that were starters at big schools, and they want to be, you know, the starting safety or linebacker or whatever. And they're on special teams and they don't want to be on special teams. <laughs> and that's when you're making tackles again. So that happened quite a bit, a few so, times, you know, with, you know, different teams, of course.
0: So take me through the mindset of you having to make a tackle. Was it, oh, S, I got to make a tackle. Ah!
1: <laughs> there is that split second of panic yeah. where you got to figure out, first of all, I I ran a four eight on a good day. Most of those guys are four two, four three. You know, four four on a bad day for them. So I once you kind of see you know the clouds break and you see this guy coming through, then you have to quickly decide: can I at least pin him down on the sideline? Can I get an angle to get him out, or can I get him pushed back into play where I've got help, or you know, make a complete disaster of it, which I've done a few times. Where it's just like it looked like I gave him a high five, like he was that bad. So there's there's all these thoughts are going through your mind, and you know, being a soccer player, I'm not I'm not, I wasn't that great of a tackler, certainly not in a traditional manner. I would still get guys on the sideline, but nothing pretty, definitely nothing pretty.
0: And that was a different kind of tackling when you played soccer, by the way. Yeah, uh, you'd probably get flagged if you tried to do that in the NFL. My, that's just my guess. Um, what was it like for you? And, and I think I know what the locker room was set up like when you were there. Basically, it was special teams. And were you next to the quarterbacks in the locker room in the stadium?
1: Uh, I, let's see. Uh, BB Metzlarz, Chris Moore, of course, Tasker. Um, uh, Trying to think. Of course, every year you'd have the odd change, right? Yeah. That's part of, the, part of the business. But at that time, and then, well, they had Jim, and I'm trying to think, Andre, like, I don't know. It seemed, uh, we seemed pretty much stuck with the offense.
0: Okay. yeah. Okay. So I guess my question is, what was it like watching? I mean, it was probably pretty rare that you were the guy that reporters were in front of, I'm guessing most of the time they were in front of Jim or Andre or Thurman or Bruce or whoever, what was it like watching those guys? And were you at the time conscious of how good they were, that they were these all time hall of fame greats?
1: I yeah, I knew the first first day at minicamp I knew. I knew before that, just watching the Super Bowls and yeah. uh yeah, again, regardless of the result, the fact that they had already gone to two. And, you know, just just how these guys they had that swagger about them, you know, they had that confidence that every Sunday they're gonna make somebody pay for something. Uh Thurman had this attitude about him, he had that edge about him, and I think they all did. Um and then they just had this natural, God-given ability. They had this talent, and they had the right uh, mental approach to take advantage of. And, um, you know, they on Sunday, it was just a different deal. I mean, you just knew that you were with guys at a different level. I mean, really, that's, that's how I would put it. Just a different level, different caliber of athlete.
0: And so my takeaway from that statement is that they, on game day, were at a completely different level from what they were during the week. Yeah, and I I have to say
1: I was kind of guilty of that myself. I wasn't the best practice kicker either. Uh, it's not that I didn't care, but you know I didn't care as much during practice. I lived for Sunday, and I think that's and the and the more I played in the league, the more that was definitely the case. And that that's where maybe now that you bring up the point, Bull, it's like you know these guys really got geared up for Sunday. I think the, the more you play, that's what it's all about. And the rest of the week is meetings and practice and whatever. I know it's necessary, but Sunday is what you live for as a, as a as a pro. And then coming out of the locker room in Buffalo, that's it, man. I mean, that is it. As a pro athlete, it's other than maybe the World Cup or the European Cup or whatever business, <laughs> there, you know, there's so many games out there that are, you know, special situations, but every Sunday coming out of, out of the locker room in Buffalo was was pretty sweet.
0: So let me ask you this cuz it's been brought up a lot in over the last 2 days. Uh-huh the fact that there are now fans in the stands and it was a big sellout and people, you know, sold out now Highmark stadium for the first time in two years, yada, yada, yada. And we lost. And some people are claiming or putting it out there anyway, that maybe the bills were better last year because they played in front of nobody. And that the fact that the crowd is there, maybe they made them nervous. Josh in particular made them nervous. They were used to it. Um, What do you think about that? When when you hear that,
1: I've heard some hockey players. uh, I think a couple of Lightning guys said that at one point where uh, they felt more pressure playing at home at times. Wow! And maybe maybe there's some truth to that, especially when you know Bills fans are you know they yeah there's crazy fans around the league, but Bills fans are Bills fans. That's a different category. And to have them all back in the stands and all the hype, all the hype taking off from. Basically, the Kansas City game last year and what happened in the Super Bowl. And and I think in a sense, for me, the fact that Tampa shut Kansas City down, I'm like, hey, we can do that too. So you kind of springboard this into, you know, Allen getting better. Everybody's getting better. We're going to gel. We're going to be better, 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 better. A lot of hype. A lot of hype. And then when the guys come out and the fans are going, um, yeah, there's still a game to play. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but mentally – it is a different scenario than when you're coming out there and it's Seagulls, you know. it I, That had to be bizarre for them.
0: Well, yeah, but I guess, it's like a scrimmage, like a practice game almost, right? I mean.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then on Monday you're getting your paycheck and you're like, oh, yeah, we played yesterday. That had to be bizarre. <laughs> Just weird, right? right? And then you have fans in the stands. And, and uh, in a sense, I think reality kicked in for a lot of guys. And, and, uh, and this is why the Miami game is now massive because they've been building and building and building and we go to the miami game every year so when the bills come down there's that whole section of the parking lot that's the royal blue right and then speckles of teal everywhere
0: right and we've been running
1: we've been running miami for a number of years (laughs) But, but you'll know you'll notice that you know the last last year games are getting closer and miami's getting better they're getting better and now you know they're doing really well and i think new england has a new quarterback so That's playing well. So, I mean, this game is massive for us. Not only get on track, but it's division.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, What do you what do you like all encompassing about the twenty twenty one bills?
1: Well, I think I think with Sean McDermott leading the way, we're going to learn from Sunday, take advantage of it, learn from it. And I was, you know, hey, get mad get ticked off a little bit about this. We expected to win that game. The fans expected to win the game. I'm sure everybody, you know, that, you know that's affiliated with the Bills expected a win. We didn't get it. And so, fine. Take that edge about you. Take that disappointment and lay it on Miami. What a better team to play.
0: Yeah. You know, after yes. a
1: disappointing loss, let's bring it to them. Yep. Let's bring it to them.
0: Yeah, against a hated divisional rival, no doubt about it. And obviously the win you would tie for the division lead uh if you were to beat miami so it is a huge massive massive game for the bills um lastly before i let you go um what are you most excited about aside from the concert and our big watch party and all that what are you most excited about seeing or doing when you come back uh, to western new york this weekend
1: well i just you know i i really want to see some of these bands that i've never seen you know i really want to get uh uh, you know, a good look at some of the different, you mentioned a number of different genres, and I really want to try to check out as many bands as I possibly can. Um, and you notice with the setup, you know, bands, they're sort of staggered, so you can do that. You can really check out your bands, and that's why that's why I love music festivals. You can jump from stage to stage to stage. and. Um, I have a few funny stories where I've been left at certain stages for various reasons, <laughs> but that's another story. We'll take that up another time. But, uh, but I love the fact that you can see so many bands over, over the course of a, a couple of days. And that's what I'm really excited about.
0: Are you uh, a, are, are you a bar bill guy or like, is there any restaurants that, that are still around that you would uh, partake maybe?
1: In? Well, yes, I've been there. Um, you know, I was uh, love duffs too but um we have actually changed our diet quite a bit my wife had a little bit of a health scare last month so uh we have we're right now uh we've gone plant-based and it's been about a month so it's not been easy for those of us who grew up eating you know canadian beef and <laughs> and, and, and beef. Poutine with meat and everything else and oh. whatever. but anyway uh yeah we've uh We've changed our diet considerably. So I think this will be the first time I've been in Buffalo and have not enjoyed a plate of, of certainly chicken wings.
0: I'd love to be able to tell you where to get some good kale, but I can't do that. I'm so I just I just don't know. Don't I'm not know. even
1: going that, I'm not even going to the kale route. There's other oh. things out there that are actually edible, but okay. we're still trying to <laughs> find out which ones are good and which ones are not. It's
0: so good. Well, so, yeah, we're still learning on that one. <laughs> which ones are edible? <laughs> Oh man, if they could wipe kale off the planet I'd be very happy, man Because people try and force kale on me I'm like, come on, man I need something to, that That is like the Next to lettuce probably Is the least flavorful thing I think that's ever been produced on this planet
1: Somebody described it as hairy spinach So <laughs> why did this ever like It took off for a while Everyone's cooking every oh, yeah, kale, Chips and all this And like, we tried it Not this time We tried it when it first came out It was yeah. like, no, I'm good Just give me chips yeah, yeah
0: please right. yeah but, well with apologies to you kale lovers out there we're not fans um hey i look forward to seeing you up here uh this weekend man thanks for doing this and safe uh travels up like really it's gonna be a blast man can't wait to see you.
1: can't wait to see you sunday uh
0: look forward to it go bills all right pal borderland steve christie me bands bills beer distilleries food vendors it's gonna be awesome hopefully we, that we see all of you there thanks man again